Draper City Talk is a podcast produced by the Municipal Government of Draper City, Utah, where we discuss local government services and issues and the community at large. Hello, Draper City. Uh, Mayor Troy Walker with you again on our on our famous and exciting Draper Talk podcast. So we're glad to be back with you. I'd like to acknowledge uh, Linda Peterson, our communications director, who's producing this for us. Thank you, Linda. Hello, everyone. And we're we're getting more popular, and uh, we have a really good discussion for today. Um, today, we're going to talk again about water, um, water in the sense of where we get water, how it gets to us, and what the future looks like for water. And I have two really awesome guests here that know this space really well. Mara Carabello, did I say that right? Yeah, Carabello, but Carabello. No, close enough. I've been saying it wrong all the years I've known. That's all right, Troy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Mar- Mara is from the Exero Group, and they're a public policy communications co- company that works specifically in the water area. Right. right. So, Mara, how long have you been working in water? Oh, we've been doing water for about a decade, which makes us new to it. If you speak right. to any water folks, if you're under 30 years, they don't want to talk to you. But we've got a decade under our belt. And then we also have Mr. Tage Flint, who is now the director the executive director, I guess, is what is that the right That's term? That's correct. Yeah. Of uh, what is now uh, a 501c3 quasi-governmental entity called Utah Waterways. Correct. So, Tage, tell us a little bit about yourself then. Yeah, hi, Mayor. Thanks. And, and congratulations on getting the harder name right. Yes. That's a, that's <laughs> I got it wrong. So, That's you know. for sure. Uh, sure. Uh, my, my background is uh, in, in uh, water purveyance. I managed one of the bigger water authorities here in the state of Utah for a long time, about 36 years in the business. Uh, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, and uh, uh, but my current role, as you just mentioned, is executive director of Utah Waterways, which which is this very new, brand new agency of which there is only one employee right now. That's me. That'll soon be remedied, but uh, it's it's meant to be a collective and an opportunity for uh, the water conservation larger discussion statewide. So so maybe a, a way to get everybody on the same page with what conservation really means for Utah. Right. And, and it's not that there hasn't been a ton of good efforts and good results out there. There has in water conservation. But sometimes we, we do those in our own silos. It's hard sometimes for our citizens, for example, right. to know what water conservation program applies to whom. This way we can act as a clearinghouse, if you will, of, of all of these programs and, and uh, all of these discussions in some of the statewide programs. Uh, uh, public affairs types messages. Very good. So what spurred this conversation, Mara, was you invited me, and you do this every year, you invite a, a select handful right. of elected officials, right. mayors, legislators. Do you do council members? Or? Occasionally, but we mostly focus on mayors and legislators. And so, and you call it water school. Right. And I went, and <laughs> it was an intense uh, couple of days of water water training. And yeah. it was really, I... I I was one of the one of the better things I've done as a mayor, as far as like a conference I've gone to, because it was so informative to me to understand um, what it means, you know, what what where we get our water, how we deliver it, how much how how much it costs, and 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 I I walked away from that and I came back and said I want to talk about this. I want people to understand the bigger picture, not necessarily you know should you put you know drought-resistant landscaping in, but understand why you need to put it in, because where is it coming from? How much do we have? Mm-hmm. What is the future like? Um, 
you had some really good speakers. One of them was the Nevada Water Conservation, at least the Southern Nevada uh, guy that, right. that, that consolidated all the all of Clark County, and, and his his discussion was, I thought, as he spoke about, I thought he, we are five years from having that same exact rule, the, it, the way they live in Las Vegas. Right, and Mayor, as you suggest, I mean, you listen to him, and it is, it's astonishing. So one of the things I think that's the most interesting is, obviously, we're talking about Western water, and Western in the United States is almost unlike, well, it's unlike any place else in the United States. There are a couple of other places in the world, but... The West is built around water. We've never had enough, if you will. We're not, um, not only do we rely on what comes from the sky, but we've always needed to pipe and irrigate and be smart about our proximity to water. So, you know, one of the things I learned early on is that the slogan of water is it's complicated. And so I think a lot of us as citizens resist that level. But one, I'll, I'll tell any listener that the further they get into it, the more interesting it is. Yes. Because it's so complicated, um, we live in basins in Utah, and we're one of the few states in the nation that because of our topography, a lot of our water conveyance, if you will, how we get our water, often comes for hundreds of miles. From the time it hits the top of a mountain to the time we turn on our tap, is generally hundreds of miles. But also, we use gravity really well, um, you know, and it can pull. But you start to get into the technicality. But we've really never had enough. Um, Tage, correct me if I'm wrong, but about 60% of us in some way or another indirectly or directly benefit from the Colorado River. Um, we're one of five states that are in a compact about the river. Uh, but we're also... I, we hear all the time that we're the second most arid state. But for many of us who live in places like Draper, it doesn't feel arid, and we've done a great job planting, and planting helps with air temperature. I'm just starting to layer in all the complications of conservation is important, but you need to make sure you do it right because we have to recharge our aquifers. So lots of... Um, I'm, I'm really appreciative, Mayor, that you'd spend the time because, as you said, we do pile it in. I mean, it and, is two heavy days. And I, and, and I want, let's back up to the main, probably the thing that hit me the hardest is, and Tage, you know this probably really well, we, every, every drop of wet water, as I learned, is that's, that's what the wa actual water is called wet water. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I thought that was intuitive, but uh, <laughs> apparently it wasn't. It's so, probably not. But, but every drop of the wet water either comes from one or two places, either it comes out of a well or it comes out of a reservoir. Which reservoirs were built by men, you know, by humans, and essentially most of the reservoirs that we live off of were Central Utah Project reservoirs. Is that, is that right? Sure. In Draper City, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. And and not only is it from reservoirs, but it's from reservoirs on another river system, the Provo River system, which are which is miles away from here. And to Mara's point, that that example is hundreds of miles of water transportation through through pipelines, canals, tunnels. You name it to get water all the way over to the Salt Lake Valley, and, and you go back to the you know one of Orrin Hatch's first term as a senator. I mean, he took kind of jumped into this water space, and that Central Utah project. I mean, those people were visionary. We should all thank them. We, yep. If you're going to thank people, thank those thinkers, That's thank right. those builders, right. and because we would not exist without them. We we are absolutely at the end of the line, and had they not done it 60 years ago or 70 years ago, I guess in some instances there would be no 
Salt Lake Valley like it is today. Right, because the timing of water is essential. It's not just, I had to learn that when we watch the weather person telling us about snowpack, it's only part of the story. It's how it comes down, when it comes down. So having a capture system, having a reservoir, a safety net, or a savings account becomes as critical. And as you learned, Mayor, uh, the other big thing is these were federal projects. Right. Utah has a history of punching above their weight, right? right. We've had always people like Orrin Hatch who could advocate for us more, and we're really benefiting from that. Here's one thing we know. The federal dollars are over. And so, in fact, the feds transferred the responsibility and the cost to the state of Utah. So as we look at this next generation yeah, no, of stop. growth. I want to make sure yeah. people understand what that means. Right. What they what this, what the Bureau, the Bureau of Reclamation did was it said, Utah, here are the reservoirs. They're yours. We're not managing them anymore. Here, here they are. You're in charge of all of it. And by the way, you got to pay us back for building it. Right. Right. So yep. we're, so we got old reservoirs, old pipes, old pumps, old everything that they built, and now we're now we're managing it. Well, I say we're the, the conservancy districts. Yep. We're, and we're in charge of maintaining it. Right. And we're paying them back. Right. Exactly. And Except for the sexy dams, which would be Flaming Gorge, <laughs> and right. Canyon, which, and which ironically right. don't deliver any water to any of right. us. Right. Just make here it look nice. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, but you're absolutely spot on, Mayor. The the idea of of the federal government coming in and building water projects was one that was westwide for for many decades, but that has now since dried up, and and now we're left with the projects that were built, and now we're dealing with them wearing out, and that's not an uncommon concept. Our roads wear out, our bridges wear out, everything has that has that engineered life, if you will, to it. The engineered life of infrastructure in the state of Utah for water is usually about fifty to seventy years. Well, guess what? Our federal projects are fifty to seventy years old now, and that's what you're talking about is the fact that a lot of that infrastructure now has to be replaced in order for us to just deliver the amount of water that we've always delivered through those pipes. So let's take the Draper resident through the process. Sure. Where's the first place a Draper resident is going to get their drinking water? Sure. Which reservoir? Uh, so so uh, if, if we want to follow the Provo River system up, which okay. is where really what we're talking about here, it's those small reservoirs in the high Uinta Mountains uh, where the water is first uh, ga gathered and stored. Now, it's not all stored up there. They're too small. But that's where some of it is initially stored. The rest of it comes down to Jordanelle Reservoir, which most folks know where that is. Uh, that's the last federal dam, incidentally, that, that's ever been built in the state of Utah. That was built in the late 80s. So the first the touch 90s. you get to water ski on, so that's a bonus. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, from there it goes through uh, Deer Creek Reservoir, which is downstream, through Provo Canyon, diverted uh, halfway down Provo Canyon, Again, to Mara's point, this is all gravity, 100%. Right. There, none of that water has been pumped yet, and nor will it be throughout the, the time that it travels in the pipelines. It makes its way through pipelines all the way across northern Utah County, into Salt Lake County, into a big treatment plant in Bluffdale. And then from there, it's for Draper City specifically, it's pumped back up towards Draper City and reservoirs up on the on the. Hills. When you say reservoirs, you mean our tanks, our small storage tanks, tanks right? right? Small so, tanks on the, on the So when you base. see the water tank, the, that water's been put in the tank to give it pressure right. to be able to deliver it to your house. But so the Jordanelle is our is our primary source of drinking water for a Draper City resident. Right. So so uh, Central Utah Water Conservancy District operates those federal facilities. They they get that water delivered down to the Salt Lake Valley area, 
After that, Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District takes that water into their treatment plant, treats it, and makes it into drinking water, and from there pumps it back to the city. Now, I've seen, I've ridden the Murdoch Canal Trail. I've yeah. seen the examples. That's a 69-inch interior dimension. Right. It's a massive pipe. It is. I mean, it's, and those aren't cheap to, to put in, and they're right. not cheap to maintain. But So so the Draper resident, you, you can go water ski, like you said, Mara, on your water. Right. You're drinking That's water. Right. You could water ski on Friday and drink it on Saturday yep. or exactly. something like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but if the Jordan L were to run out of water, what would happen? Right. So the the uh, Salt Lake Valley is, is our, of course, our most populous area in the state of Utah. It is not the most water-rich area, as, as we're talking about. These small mountain streams that we talk about, and we would include little cottonwoods and then big cottonwood, in that do produce some water. Salt Lake City uses a lot of that. Uh, but... Relative to the amount of people who live in this valley, it does not cut it. We have to transport water in from long distances in order to supply this much water to this many people every day. And uh, what, what, that's, what that takes is a lot of infrastructure that's out of sight and out of mind. Unlike roads, we, a lot of times these pipelines are buried. Mm-hmm. And we don't. It, you've been on that Murdoch Canal uh, trail before. If you didn't know the pipeline was there, you wouldn't yeah. ever realize that that uh, there's something on the ground that big, right? Yeah. And so, not only is it underground and out of sight, but it's big stuff and expensive stuff. So let's talk about that. From it says here in your, in your kind of your notes here that between now and 2060, Utah will need 36 or is that an eight? 38, 38. billion. 38. Yeah. In water billion. water infrastructure. 38 right. billion. Yeah. 38 billion dollars uh, new for for a combination of repair and replacement, which was what we've been talking about, of all this infrastructure's in the ground, and also building new infrastructure for the next growth component that we know is inevitable here. 26, 20 billion in repair and 17.6 billion in new. Right. And 9.5 billion in conservation costs. Exactly. Paid by businesses and homeowners. Exactly. Isn't that interesting that, that of the $38 billion, over half of it, $20 billion, is going to be needed just for infrastructure replacement, just repair and replacing what we already and, have. And while we're talking deep about infrastructure, an interesting note is several years ago, the state legislature said to the four largest districts, so the four largest conservancy districts make, make up about 90% of our drinking water. So when we speak of, we, it, it's a coalition group called Prepare 60, which is just an informal cooperative agreement with the four large districts to do planning together so that we're smarter. But they said to the four largest districts, looking down the pipe at this almost $18 billion in repair and replace, they're like, we need to get on top of it. So they did this, what was a heroic act of spreadsheets. Every conservancy district is now required to have what they call an asset management plan. And they're down really to the nut and bolt level. So when you look at this massive miles and miles and miles of infrastructure, the good news is in the last five years, some major work has been done about assessing at the conservancy district level, what are we talking about? And this came to life for me when I was standing, I was in Duchesne County standing on Stillwater. And Stillwater is really cool because it overflows. And if you have a chance to do that in the spring, it's a little bit like Niagara Falls. But we were standing there and I said to the guy, well, what in, in, uh, engineering language, it's the useful life of of the um, project. And I said, well, what's the useful life on this dam? And as Tage said, um, they put useful lives on so you'll know about repair and maintenance. But what we know about water infrastructure is if you stay on top of it, if you fill every crack, if you know that that screw is going to be faulty in five years, 
There, in some instances, maybe not with pipes, but certainly large structures, you can extend the useful life indefinitely if, if you really, really stay up on it. Now, the conservancy districts do that, but I'll say as a citizen of a city, cities have so many demands that, that the citizens shouldn't take lightly this charge that the public officials have of staying up on maintenance, right? That's a really trick. Um, the other thing, just before I forget it, Tage and I have been struggling for years showing people infrastructure. And as Tage said, a disadvantage of water. So roads, we drive on all the time. And if I've got potholes, it's pretty easy for me to want to call the mayor and say, what the heck, guys? Infrastructure is all under the ground mostly, so we can't see it. So um, if you're interested and inclined, <laughs> and you go to Prepare60, I think it's prepare60.com, and um, and it's the word prepare and the, the number 60, we've got about a 15-minute video that is less than six months old they can just take you on a drone flyover. Just kind of takes you from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. Shows you a lot of the dams, a lot of the pipes we're talking about, a lot of the infrastructure. If you want to visualize it, it's a great place to just go look at a 15-minute. Bruce Lindsay is walking you through it. So, Tage, um, when I was at water school, um, we already are really focused on conservation in Draper. We've got our own. We've joined Warden Jordan Valley Water, which supplies us with our water. We've got citizens that we have the classes at Draper City, and people are people are taking advantage of it. In my sure. own neighborhood, I've got five. I kind of led the way in, in doing it, and then, I you know I've had a lot of neighbors or, or people are starting to figure out that this is a way to you know. We, and so, sure. as we were at water school, the Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan Conservation or the, the yeah. guy that manages that right, he, he you know he's talking <clears throat> about how in Las Vegas now. You can only have a 600 square foot swimming pool. You you if you use water above your you know your allotment, the fine is not like a little bit. It's like significant, and even the rich started to feel it because they started to fine them so much money. He, I remember he said there were some rich folks in Vegas that were because they couldn't have lawns because they were making them take out right. non-useful. Right. What do you right. call it? Uh, non. Functioning uh, turf. Non essential. Yeah. So they were building right. moats around their mansions with water so they could make like a <laughs> That's right. pool and they had to, you know, had to deal with that. But and they talked about those evaporative coolers. So every time you're in a casino and it's cold, because they always keep them cold, that's all coming from evaporative cooling. Right. And he talked about no more new evaporative coolers. I mean, some draconian water conservation that we don't have in Utah, right. but if we don't start doing it voluntarily, we're not going to get forced. We're going to get forced because we're going to have any water. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're using reuse water. In Las Vegas, a bunch of it. Yeah, I mean, and their right. goal is to go right. to save it all, right, and, right. and, and or use it all. And right? just to show you, as you're saying, Mayor, um, as as Tage answered, you know, uh, St. George or Washington County is looking at, yeah. at reuse right now. It's starting to look much more like Las Vegas. And tell, so, so tell us your concept of all your years of doing this. What do you tell Utahns about conservation? To thing, right? If this is not this is not just a volunteer. I mean, this is yeah. really a thing. It's a, it, it's a thing. And and, uh, and you're going to hear a lot, and you already have heard a lot about outdoor watering in our yards. And here's why. The the water that we use on our outdoor applications is still 60, 60 plus percent of all the water that comes into our into our property is still used on the outdoor application. The inside uh, water conservation is important. Low flow shower heads, and the better toilets, that kind of thing. But once we accomplish that, and we're getting close with the new building codes to having that, then, then we turn to outdoors and say, look, this is where all the discretionary water is going. It would, it would be really nice if we could really tighten that up so that that water savings can now be put back in the bank and used for 
the next growing population of the state and or uh, the Great Salt Lake. And so that's why we focus so much on it and that way you hear, you hear so much about outdoor watering. The question in, in Las Vegas has already been answered. Is, are lawns, are uh, big green yards essential to the community? And Las Vegas is long past that mark. They've said no. And, uh, and if you drive around Las Vegas now, you see very little grass. And, and Nevada is wetter than Utah. Yeah, um, although they did Just look it. For whatever reason, they, they managed to locate a huge city, Las Vegas, in a place that had zero water to, to, wow. to start with. Zero and, water. Uh, they had some springs. Uh-huh. After which the city is named, and that was it. And and uh, and so all their water is being pumped in, and like you said, recaptured on the way back out, and reused. And so, but but if you look far enough into the future, you can see where water savings can occur, and that that our priorities will likely change, and we will have to have much less water using yards. I mean, they essentially have water police there. They showed us a picture. Well, they the, have police cars. The police yes, ratio police cars, right? I mean, was law intense. enforcement on water. Right. Yeah. right, and they were coming in and, yeah. as you suggest, thousands of dollars of fines. Um, the good news for Draper residents is that in the last couple of years, the, the legislature has really gotten on board. And if you're a resident thinking about changing, we're definitely in the carrot stage right now. (laughs) So there are incentive programs that will help you pay for turf removal. The other thing we're seeing more, and I, I know, Mayor, you work a lot with Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District, but they're on the forefront of free landscaping programs. And landscaping now, I have learned... It can look green and beautiful. It does not have, don't think, when you hear this, don't think desertscape. I mean, if you love desertscape, but you can make your lawn look every bit as as flowery and beautiful and green. But we're in a carrot stage. So if you're thinking about changing your lawn, or particularly if it's a new build, uh, you can get some help from cities and the state government right now in offsetting costs. Yes, so, whether that's your sprinkler controller to make you much more water efficient on that end, to some landscape uh, refurbishments or or taking your park strip out. All those incentives are out there right now. So in Draper City, if you don't know Draper residents, at our Parks and Rec building, which is not very far from City Hall, we have a conservation garden that's similar in likeness to Jordan Valley's. But you can go there and see. And every plant has a QR code, has its name, a QR code where you can, it'll tell you everything about that plant, why why you should use it, how you should use it. Um, and you can come right over in your own city and look at what you can do in your yard. And you're 100% correct. Um, I have no grass in my yard, and okay. it, I think it's better than it's ever been. Um, we planted clover for grain, oh, nice. which did amazing. Um, you know, the plants are beautiful. We use mulch, um, some rocks, mm-hmm. mixture. It looks nice, It's and my water bill went way below in half. Um, but what really saved me was the lawn care person, because right. I, I was pairing someone to cut the lawn and edge and mow and blow it. Now I just pull a few weeds a couple times a week. It's really not, it's the easiest landscaping I've ever had. Well, you've touched on something I think is important, Mayor, and that is uh, one of the ways that we are going to, frankly, sell uh, a better water efficient uh, yard is lower maintenance. We have a lot of alternatives nowadays as Americans, and, and, and I don't know that the next generation is going to be all that thrilled about spending 20 hours a week in their yard. Uh, why not uh, put a yard in that's going to use much less water, but at the same time frees you up to do other things instead. Yeah, I, I literally can go out where we've put the drip in, and you go out a couple times a week, and you just pull a few weeds. Because yeah. the only thing getting water is the, is the plant with the drip, and a little bit of, you know, 
like an elm tree can seem to grow in no water and <laughs> one millimeter of dirt. <laughs> right. But you have to pull those. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, it's truly low maintenance. Let's talk about a little bit of the stats, if you don't mind. So with this Prepare 60, so it's made up of the four largest water conservancy districts. Um, tell us a little bit about, and, you know, say, Tage, go through a little bit about this information about our system, sure. age and expense. And sure. And so, so to bring it home to Draper, as you've already mentioned, Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District is one of those big four water districts that uh, purvey water throughout the state of Utah. Uh, but between the four of them, they have 50 reservoirs. And uh, so, you know, think anywhere you've ever been boating in Utah. Likely it's one of those four districts that is, that is operating those those reservoirs. Um, 1,400 miles of pipeline. 1,400 miles. That's a, lot of miles. Uh, a, a lot of pipelines. And for these water districts, those are large pipelines. The small stuff, uh, you know, eight inches and below is is owned by the cities. And there's under there's tens of thousands of miles right. of those. But 1,400 miles of that big 69-inch interior dimension type that's structure right. that brings massive amounts of water to, That's the, right. to the locale. Uh, to, that, to that point, the Murdoch pipeline you were talking to, to a minute ago, uh, there's another one called the Alpine pipeline and another one called the Jordan Aqueduct pipeline, which are within a half a mile of the one you were talking about that are conveying water almost in the same size range. So yeah, I'm 68 inches tall, so I can walk through that pipe. <laughs> yeah, got and, it, and have an inch to spare. Right, you know. And then we've talked about water treatment plants a bit, uh, but it's important to note that we have to take river water, reservoir water, and put it through a treatment process to turn it into drinking water. Um, those are state-of-the-art water treatment plants. They're not wastewater treatment plants. These are drinking water treatment plants that are state-of-the-art, uh, full of laboratories and all sorts of safety precautions and technologies to deliver very safe drinking water. We are very fortunate in Utah. We use the water practically once for our drinking water. Snow to treatment plant to our tap. And uh, and the quality of that water is second to none. Um, it, it truly is. One could argue that uh, uh, having bottled water in our home for convenience is not a requirement. Uh, the, these are very safe water supplies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go, you go to the Midwest and you know, everything you're getting is coming out of a water tank that got mm -hmm. pumped up and sat in the tank. And mm -hmm. it's not like, I mean, we are truly fortunate. Yeah, we're let's, let's just get, we're running kind of close on time, but it's, you know, it says the average household uses about an acre foot of water annually. If we talk about conservation and if we, if we cut down our water use by half, if every household did it, it starts to brighten the future, right, Mara? Like, Every bit we don't use now is in the future. I mean, for our kids to have a place to live and have water to drink. So this conservation thing is really going to really affect what we can do in the future. Yeah, and you, Mayor, you said that well. I mean, the two things we're working with is being a vibrant, growing state, and most of our growth, or at least half of our growth, is in-state growth. Uh, we saw a little bump of out-of-state growth during COVID. Most of us believe it'll go back to mostly in-state growth. So we are talking about you know, wanting to retire and stay in the neighborhood, maybe move into a smaller home, but we also want our grandkids and our kids next to us. So that's who we're planning for, and we have to make the current supply go further. So it, between the population growth, maybe adapting to the kinds of houses we're building to better suit, as Tate said, our lifestyle, but also our environmental style, and then changing our water. What I like is this is an act, I mean, it's the hardest thing for us to do as a total group of people, but this is an area where little good decisions can add up to big good decisions, and particularly outside water. As TH said, most of us are wasting our water 
60% of the water we're wasting is going on outside. So good stuff happening indoors, but this, the, I'm, I'm going to barely call them sacrifices, but the little acts of paying attention to even how long your sprinkler's running, if it rained, don't. Those little teeny things that, to be honest, sometimes you don't think they matter, so you skip them. And in a world where you're inundated with, am I recycling the right thing? Am I driving? And I, I mean, I know we get sort of so many messages, but uh, the relationship between the water you use and how much water Utah will have to grow and thrive in the future is a direct one. So every citizen will matter. Price of water. I mean, yeah. we, we seem to have relatively right. cheap water right, right now. I mean, considering we're a desert, every bit of it comes from a reservoir sure. or a pipe. Uh, that's not going to stay. No, it won't right? stay. I mean, uh, th these are public agencies we've been talking about, so their charge is to only charge the citizens as much as it costs to service the, the, the uh, water. So uh, it stayed low. And... Another piece of that is the federal water projects that we talked about earlier came in at a much lower price tag. Those days are over. The, the prices are going to go up. And that in itself will provide a pricing signal to folks to be able to use less water. So the population in the four largest districts has risen nearly 2 million people in, uh, from, from 2,000 to 2.85 million in 2022. Right. 2 million more people, 47% increase. Yes. And, and by the way, we're on that trend line for the next two million yeah. along the same. So as we, as we look at the average pipe, you're, you say here is the average pipe for the system is 45 years old. Um, right. The dams are 50 years old or more. You, you've got some really expensive stuff that has to be maintained and repaired. So right. the, maybe the incentive will be as water gets more expensive, you're going to want to use less of it. Right, right, right. now we've enjoyed... Right. And I think the effect will be the same. The water pricing is going up, not because we're going to try to put a price signal out there to make people use less. Right. It's just simply this, these costs are huge and the, it's going to be reflected in your water bill. But the I, secondary impact will be we'll use less because it costs so much. I right. think something citizens should think about, though, whenever we, when we start more and more of the discussion of taxation for water capital, capital, unlike any other infrastructure, has a model usually of paying for itself. So what happens is these projects are mammoth and they take 20, 30, 40 years to build. And so you have to front that money. But over time, through our fees and the water rates we pay, we slowly pay it back. So unlike roads, which we absolutely need, but you sink the investment, you wear out the investment and you sink more in, Water needs a ton of upfront money because we're in the billions when we look at these reservoirs and storages. But if the state of Utah replaces the federal government in being the, the low lender of record, it will pay for it. It takes 30, 40, 50 years to pay for it. But as a taxpayer, I see that as an investment that does get recouped by individual users. And in Utah, we do love if you use it, you pay for it. And that's a little of the financial model for water. Did you have any one last thing you wanted to add to our discussion? Or I, I think that, that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the citizens have already done some things. And I don't think we want to, we want to ignore that. Congratulations to anyone who uses less water today than they did 10 years ago. And uh, we acknowledge that and appreciate it. Then, the, the, of course, the second part of that, that paragraph is we need to do more. We need to continue our, on, on the path of, of using less water. Keep in mind that these water districts, their largest next water project that they can put on their, on their schedule is water conservation. It's not 
to build another it's dam. It's not another reservoir. It's not another reservoir. It's to get that part of the water that we're using right now back out of the the, the, the more high use. And, and I think and I think that point's worth making too is that the federal government gave us all the stuff they built, and they won't let us build any more. I mean, theoretically, yeah. if, if federal regulation a is so prohibitive through the environmental process, right. which right. truly is, you're not getting a new reservoir. That's right. right. So we got what we got. Yep. So right. we're not really going to get more. Um, I, I remember a few years back when I was on the council, we looked at trying to find our own water supply so we could supply because we buy Jordan Valley water and pass it through to our citizens. We tried. We found a. We had some well, some rights we could have gotten on the on the Utah County side. But it, back then, this was 10 years ago, it was 30-something billion dollars to build the pump station, right. build the transmission lines, pump it over to the people in this side of the valley. And not one council member, including myself, was willing to quadruple water rates today to save money in 50 years. Mm-hmm. We yeah. probably should think long-term like that, but no local politician's doing that, right? They're just that's not right. doing that. And it's expensive. Yeah. So that's why you think, well, that, you know, as these districts do it, and as Utah... Utah Waterways gets involved, you're going to have a little more concerted effort as to how, you know, we're going to exactly. consolidate. Exactly. You'll hear from us again. Well, thank you both for coming. I hope I, I hope uh, we can have another discussion maybe sometime down the road as we move along. But I appreciate all your work in the water space. And, Tage, thank you. Yeah, thanks for your interest. We look forward to, uh, you know, to the future. And hopefully, I think our citizens are doing a great job. Lots of people are doing something. Uh, you right. know, you may not do your whole yard, but a lot of people are doing something, and yeah. that's better than nothing. So Matters, yeah. The more you can, yeah, I, pr- trust me, Draper residents. If you if you do it right, it's less maintenance than it ever was. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it looks just as good. So anyway, and on that note, we will see you again in the future on the Draper Talk. Thank you. Thank you again, Linda. For timely information on city news, events, traffic alerts, and public safety emergencies. You may subscribe to email or text notifications from Draper City by visiting draperutah.gov forward slash notify or follow us on social media at Draper City Utah on Facebook and at Draper City on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This has been Draper City Talk. Please join us again.